Welcome to the Cult of Domesticity podcast, a podcast about history, true crime, and whatever life brings us. I'm Courtney, and every week I am joined by another fascinating person. Let's see what we're going to talk about this week. Welcome back to the Cult of Domesticity. We're back with Natasha from Brodette Nation. Brodette Nation! <laughs> I just need you. I gave you a jingle. I didn't mean to. <laughs> uh, yes, we're... We're on hour 64 of this. No, we're, we're, we're doing pretty good time-wise, mostly for recording with me because I tend to get off topic, but we're living our best lives. We've already talked about food blogs, which is good because who doesn't love, love food? She gave me a great idea. <laughs> now I'm like, how can I dress up my waffles? I'm a Southern gal, I love me some chicken and waffles. And I was thinking, what else can you do with waffles? Hi. Well, I think this is a perfect segue into my current state, which is in North Dakota. Um, and when you told me, you're like, hey, do you want to come on? You want to do true crime? I'm like, yes, my first true crime, because I love true crime podcasts. Um, I love hearing yours. There's so many great women podcasters that are doing such a great phenomenal job in the true crime genre. They're, they're interesting and they're scary. I did take a big step back from listening to a bunch of true crime because I was like getting too freaked out. I think and you were I'm actually one of the back. first one who responded back or like we were like, you were one of the early podcast supporters of us way, yeah. way back almost two plus years ago. <laughs> I know. And now you're like on almost near your hundredth episode and I'm just trying to struggle to get season three out. So the struggle is real, but about North Dakota, I'm currently in Minot, North Dakota. And a lot of people think that when uh, you get stationed at Minot, it's like the worst thing in the world. I thought it, (laughs) I thought it too, but uh, Minot's actually kind of a, it's, it's a smaller city, but it is still kind of like a city. Uh, okay. So the way I judge it is I came from a small town, right? And in our small town, originally in North Carolina, we didn't even have a Walmart at the time. Now it has a Walmart. That means it's getting bigger, right? The sign of the times. Sign of the times. And then, uh, so out here, like I have two sister-in-laws that live in Williston and they just have like a Walmart. It's smaller. But here in Minot, people come here to shop. So we have, uh, or they go to Bismarck, which is like, you know, the, I think it's the capital. I'm pretty, yeah, it's the capital. So it has like, it's going to get the the Costco. It has a Sam's Club. So that's how you know, like it's a little bit bigger or it it's gets fancy. a little bit more fundy. It's fancy. <laughs> in Minot, we have Target. We, Ooh, have Walmart, we have a Barnes and Noble. We have some great coffee shops. I'm, I'm good. We have some great bookshops. So uh, it's not as small as people think it is. And mm-hmm. I came from a small town, a small area. So it, I fit right in. But I think if you're coming from a big city, it'd be tough. So I say that in saying that I wanted to do some true crime in North Dakota. And it was kind of hard to find it. Uh, I don't think there's been a whole lot of um, like big crimes mm-hmm. in Dakota, but there have been some significant ones. Um, but the one I'm actually going to talk to you guys about happened in Turtle Lake, North Dakota, which I was at this summer. Is it full of turtles? Uh, actually, they have like a turtle race and they qualify. Like it's a international thing. It's crazy. I didn't watch it, but my kids did. Is your mind blown right now? I'm, I'm just loving this because I lived in a, a small town in rural Washington and I've that's a shit I would love to have seen. We had uh we had the international kite festival. Yeah. So I I know this shit. I'm like I love it. I love what they do. They're just like we need we are gonna have fun with this. 
We also had um, Jake the Alligator Man, which is mm-hmm. kind of if you imagine how they used to do sewing thing, like made mermaids where they would sew a fish onto something. That's what he looks like. They just celebrate his birthday. It's I've seen Jake. It's he's creepy. I, <laughs> I'm not a fan. But I love the I love when they're like, we're we're having our thing. We're gonna have a Hallmark movie festival here. Let's go. Wow. You know, know that would be Hallmark movie. Uh, yeah, I know. Everybody everybody's real into this Hallmark movie, especially at Christmas time. To me, I feel like if you see one, you have seen them all. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> it's like the same movie, just like in a different location. Since you're talking about small towns, yes, can you guess the population of this is the 2010 census? But can you guess the population of this town or this city? Sorry, you're saying it's a small city. Yes. Interesting fact about North Dakota: we have we don't have villages or towns. It's all cities. Hey, I'm gonna go. Five to 10,000, like in that range. 581 people. The smallest city, uh-huh. again, 2010 census. Uh, let me go to my facts about North Dakota. Um, was It is Maza, and it ranges, like I've seen articles from five to 20 people. So if you get wow. sick of someone there, you literally have to leave town. Like you're, if you if you dated someone there, you're going to see your ex everywhere because there's only so many people. Yeah, but like, is it your ex or is it like your cousin? Like, I just, not to say the North Dakota people are like into their cousins, but then like 20 people? Like, who is that? That's your family. I feel like that's a family. It could be a family. I'm assuming like one nuclear family, a couple nuclear families. Like Listen, maybe four. If, if they were a Cherney family, I mean, the Cherney... The Turney side, uh, my husband's family, there are 26 grandkids. You're beating my family by a lot. I mean, I'm just saying we could take over that city. Um, Again, sci-fi movie there. That's a sci-fi movie where we're just taking a town. Yeah, I mean, the whole Turney clan can do it. Um, But yeah, it is the home of the world champion turtle races. It was really hot. I was really pregnant, so I did not see them, but my boys seem to enjoy them. They have turtle races, and they qualify, and they go and compete in Canada, So, I mean, which is, like, not too far from where I live. There are more turtle races. It's a thing. I just, it is 100% a thing. I want to know everything about it. I love it. Like, are they in, <laughs> like, little lanes? Do the turtles cut each other off? Do they have, like, designs? Do you have to put a number on them? So many questions. I so love many, uh, so many questions. And now I'm bummed I didn't actually stay for the race. <laughs> but they do have Rusty, the two-ton turtle. And the town was founded in May 1905. And it is a farming community, which is going to be important when we start talking about the Wolf family murders. <laughs> so facts about North Dakota real quick. I mean, from my personal experience living here in North Dakota, it is the most beautiful sunrises and sunsets you've ever seen because there's like no trees. Matter of fact, every state has more trees than North Dakota. That's a good Jeopardy question or pub quiz question. Uh, actor Josh Dumel's from Minot, North Dakota. Did you know that? I just know he's beautiful. So. <laughs> he is our pride <laughs> and joy. At least he's mine. Um, I'm just waiting for that time for me to actually run into him. Yeah, um, I like it. <laughs> but I mean, I hate to turn him down and say, oh, God, I'm married. That I'm would married. be embarrassing for him. So, Is he still married to Fergie? No. 
he dropped her when he found out about me. And I was like, I'm so embarrassed because I'm not leaving <laughs> my husband. I'm like, oh God, there was some miscommunication. I'm not leaving my husband. Um, but we seemed like she was a great girl. So, but you know, there's nothing out here. So that's why the sunsets and sunrises are so beautiful. It's huge into farming. Um, that's the majority of the state is oil and farming. That's what, that's what's going on North Dakota. It sounds like Nebraska, but less. <laughs> um, Dakota actually means friend or ally. So there's a lot of Native American tradition, you know, culture, just like sewn into the Dakotas. Uh, interesting thing, the reason why there was a North and a South Dakota is because they couldn't agree on where the capital was going to be. Um, so they became two different states. They didn't rock, paper, scissor it out? Not. Nope. They're like, bump this. I'm getting my own state. Like, okay. I mean, I can keep going on about all these facts I looked up because I am a nerd. I like Uh, it. But like Teddy Roosevelt's big thing. And I thought that you would really appreciate that being into history. This is known as the Rough Rider State. He lived here. President Teddy Roosevelt did. And he ranched North Dakota. As a matter of fact, one of the, it's going to be hard to say because it's military like to explain that I know there's not a lot of military, but part of the base, their symbol is the Rough Rider. Like they say bully, they carry a big stick, like it's a big thing. They have Teddy Roosevelt reenact at like all their major awards. So Teddy Roosevelt is just like threaded into uh, North Dakota. And I think it's pretty cool. I would say out of most presidents, I'm like the least mad at Teddy Roosevelt historically. Yeah. <laughs> He's not the best, but he tried He tried to do some good things. Yeah. And he, you know, he, he left us with a Theodore Roosevelt National Park. I don't know. He gave us that or we gave that to ourselves, but we have that and it's beautiful. He, no, that's a, I believe that's the first national park. He gave us the National Park Service. He Can't be mad at him about that. No. I'm, yeah. I mean, some other things I'm not happy that he did, but that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to just give you a couple more facts and then we'll actually get to the good stuff. Everybody's like, I don't care about North Dakota. Well, I do. And I like, it is greatly misunderstood. And although I'm not liking the, let me see, what is it? It's a negative six right now. It's going to be negative 14. No. Even though I'm not like a big fan of the weather. In the winter, it, it's been really good to my family and I. So it, I also want to say it is the least visited state. I think that's, that's something to be proud of. That's an accomplishment. I mean, not many states can say that. And I will leave you with this fact about North Dakota. It grows enough soybeans to make 212 billion crayons. You get a crayon, you get a crayon, you get a crayon. Everybody's getting crayons. I'm wondering how many crayons that would be per person in the state because apparently Kentucky makes has enough bourbon reserves that if something happens, every member of their population would get two barrels. I, I think I would prefer bourbon versus crayons. I would. Um, but I mean, crayons are important. You, my children you, love to color my walls with them. You know, you need crayons are good. You need to like write things. You can use them for light, like you got the wax. So crayons. Oh, that is true. Multi-purpose. I did not think about that. I want to start burning some crayons. Yeah. I normally just throw them away and hide What's, them. What is it? Pinterest has so many ways. You really just need a wick and you just melt them down. You can make a candle, emergency candle. Mm. Like with most things on Pinterest, I will probably pin it and then never do it. I will pin it, laugh <laughs> at it, and continue on with Feel my like day. One day I'll do that. 
not really. And before I go into Wolf Famers, I know I said that was the last fact, but I do have a really good one. Really good okay. one. And I think that you'll like this. Lewis and Clark spent more time in North Dakota than any other place they visited on their expedition. Did Boom. they winter there? Uh, I sure hope not. because It's really cold, but they probably did. I, yeah, I think that's where they wintered. I worked for them. I worked them. on a, the place, the park I worked at in Washington was on the Lewis and Clark National Trail. So I know way too much about Lewis and Clark. So that's actually great. Yeah, I figured that. I was like, actually, that's the perfect one, not crayons. Gosh, I'm such a loser. Go. Again, so many trivia answers here, guys. Write them down, memorize them, shock your friends. North Dakota facts, guys. And nobody else is going to know that. Nope. You're going to impress the North Dakota team. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I learned most of these facts from reading my son's like a 50 state, like every state. I'm like, oh my gosh, this book is awesome. But I think everybody's ready to hear about the Wolf family murders, which happened in 1920, and it <sighs> rocked Turtle Lake, I'm assuming. I mean, at the time, there was 400 people. It has not grown that much. And when I was in Turtle Lake with my friend's friend, it was like everybody knew each other. Like, literally, everybody was like, hey, hey, hey. I'm like, wow. That's my nightmare. Wow, like two, like it was, it was insane. It was a cute festival. I'm really glad. We'll probably take the boys again. Just you know, just a little bit of a drive, do something in North Dakota. Uh, also, when you're in North Dakota, you think like four and a half hours. You're like, oh, that's a long drive, but not in North Dakota. That's like right up the street. Just get on the highway and go, so you can go do something cool in Fargo or Bismarck or or any of those bigger or more fun cities. That's legitimately driving half across the state because I drive from Cincinnati to Cleveland to see my parents. And that's exactly, it's four and a half. It's like right up the street. Mm-hmm. I used to think driving a little ways was a big deal. And now I don't. I'm like two and a half hours. Okay, cool. I go to um, Columbus. Like it, that's Columbus <laughs> to me. I'm just like, yeah, cool. Yeah, cool. I mean, I think that is a Midwestern thing. Mm-hmm. You know you're going to be driving for a minute. Road tripping, road tripping for real. All right. Well, Jacob and his wife, Beta, they uh, they have five daughters, all right? So Jacob Wolf is 41. Beta, his wife, is 35. Their five daughters, Maria's 10, Edna's 8, Lydia's 6, Martha is 3, and Emma is 8 months old. They also have hired a chore boy named Jacob Hofer, who was 13. So this family is kind of considered well off because mm-hmm. they were able to hire someone outside of their family to help with their farm. They're a farming community. Um, They are a German family that immigrated from Russia to Turtle Lake, North Dakota. And as I said, at the time, there was only like 400 people there. So uh, another big thing about North Dakota is like we have this huge Scandinavian Mm -hmm. uh, heritage right here, Heritage Museum actually in Minot. Um, And so there was a lot of immigrants. So we have this big thing in the summer called Hustfest and all these different Scandinavian like bands and um, different types of vendors they come and and they do like this huge show at like the state fairgrounds and it's a big thing and people from all over come especially like from Canada and stuff actually go to that so it it's not abnormal to hear like you know German descents in this area like a lot of them came over and um, his family was one of them. Germans, they go everywhere. Yeah, I married a German. 
I'm ha- I'm a quarter German, so yeah. They'd be getting busy and just like we have a whole family of like so propagating many so <laughs> <Yeah>. much. <laughs> So many, so many. As I said, the Wolf family had a very successful farm and has state-of-the-art equipment at the time. Now, that's going to become important uh, later on when we start talking about facts of this case. And just to let you know, in case you guys get, you know, it, it, it does get pretty gruesome and there are kids involved. So just putting that out there. So... Uh, in one article, I read that Jacob Wolf told his friends he felt like he and his family were in danger. Now, I, I can't remember which article I, I pulled that from, but it sounded like he he was a little bit paranoid. This sounds like uh, the Kinder fact murders, kind of like just the, if he's already paranoid, like yeah, that's how they started off. Yeah, so it, it could be true, it could be just a rumor, you know. Um, but the murders happened in April 1920 and was discovered after a neighbor saw the abandoned laundry just uh, flapping on the clothesline. Now, back in the day, like people were real, like bring in your clothes, especially if a storm comes, right? You mm-hmm. know, so that's what they found odd was that there was a storm and the clothes weren't ever taken inside. Now, these farms were probably uh, like a mile apart. And so the only times you really see your neighbors when you're out there plowing your fields, right? Or you're out there doing something that farmers do. I'm sorry, I don't know more farmer lingo, but I don't. (laughs) Uh, You're throwing those seeds. You're You're, you're doing something. You're feeding those animals. Uh, I've never farmed in my life. I do have a, a brother-in-law that's a farmer, so I'm a little bit embarrassed. I don't know more terms, terminology. But the neighbor and his wife decide that, hey, they're going to go check on this family. And so when they arrived, they felt it was eerily quiet, except for the sound of a baby crying, which is oh, no. every horror movie I mean, ever, right? You just get the um, psycho background. <laughs> yeah. Um, he and his wife discovered the first bodies in the barn that were hastily covered with dirt and hay. Um, and it was Jacob Wolf and two of his daughters, Maria and Edna. In the basement of the house were five more bodies, Jacob's wife, Bieta, the rest of their daughters, Bertha, Lydia, and Martha, and their chore boy, Jacob Hoffer. Um, they had been killed with a shotgun and a hatchet. So the only survivor was Emma in her crib, who had been there for two days without being fed or changed, and she was pretty weak. Now, here's the breakdown of the murders. Okay, and I'm I'm saying this because my friend Abby cannot take details. She, we only can watch Disney movies with her, and oh. only Disney movies that are not violent. So like Mulan is out. You know what I'm saying? That's not that violent. That's really, really, really. <laughs> I always pick on her. Um, so this is where it's about to get violent, Abby. So you know, fast forward, and anybody else that can't really take this. So here's the breakdown of the murders. Uh, the victims in the kitchen. Well, they weren't in the kitchen. They were in the cellar. Um, was my spot. All right. So we already talked about the first bodies, which were found in the barn. All right. So the breakdown of the murder. Somebody was murdered in the kitchen, and I believe it was Vieta with the gunshot wound to her back, and then her body was probably thrown down into the cellar with the rest of the girls in the basement. So Bertha was had a gunshot to the face and hatchet wounds. Lydia had a gunshot to the head and hatchet wounds, and Martha had been beaten with the hatchet. Now, Hofer, Jacob Hofer, the chore boy, was um, had a gunshot to the neck. Now, the bodies that were found in the barn, um, the two girls had snuck out of the house. So this this is what kind of breaks my heart, especially like as a mother. This whole like it's just it's just too gruesome to even think about. 
Um, but the, the girls had snuck out of the house through a window and ran to the barn. And so they were trying to hide. So they were trying to hide. So this is like, oh, this is just so heartbreaking because they knew what was happening. Mm -hmm. And I cannot imagine the pure terror that they felt. Well, if you think Um, about it, the gunshots aren't going to be quiet. So the hatchet seems like it's to finish, like to make sure everyone's dead. They're, they, they planned that no one was going to leave alive. Yeah. Who could talk. Exactly. And I feel like, and this is going to be important later on, that's a lot of work for one person. Mm-hmm. Um, what, because so how many people were there? It's like There was Jacob, Bieta, and their four daughters, and then the chore boy. So seven people were murdered. That's, yeah, seven people. It's hard to control seven people. It is. So with the girls that ran into the barn, they had gunshot wounds to the back of their heads, extremely close range. And Jacob, the father, he had one gunshot to the back far range and then one gun gunshot to the back of the head close range. Now, the crime scene evidence said that the phone lines were cut, only one pool of blood in the kitchen. Remember, that's where Vieta was. Um, so they think that's where she was killed. The hatchet uncovered along with the bloody rags and clothing. Bertha and Jacob were allegedly found with gloves on. So that could have meant that they were out like farming and taking care of the house on the outside. The killer may have forced the girls into the cellar where they were killed. And then someone attempted to clean the blood off the floor, which, I mean, I don't even know why you would bother. I mean, because if someone looks in like the door or the window and there's a bunch of blood, mm, that's why you're the true crime expert. <laughs> My thought, yeah, that's like, I mean, because think about it. If you took the time to cut the phone line, get them down there, hide the bodies, you don't want a like a blood stain because they it, think about it, if they figured probably the neighbors someone's going to snoop around that if they snoop around oh you know they're not going to otherwise they wouldn't see anything yeah but you know the child the eight month old was left alive so the neighbors if you know she makes it she's going to be crying right mm-hmm. so like they would probably come in if they don't hear anything else so that's still kind of weird to me like why yeah, thought- maybe they thought the baby would die before someone got there yeah but they had no problem killing like a three-year-old was the eight-month-old too far like I don't know well it, do eight-month-olds really don't talk that much oh they don't I mean I mean they're just crying and, and yeah. you know babbling they're not talking unless you know mine aren't at eight months yeah my three-year-old he is just talking away he is the person yeah three-year-old they, they will say things eight-month-old they will also lie to your face that's what my three-year-old does to me <laughs> So, um, but we're going to go through the timeline. So one week prior, Beata and Jacob celebrated their birthdays. Mm-hmm. And Jacob had arranged to pick up a drill press. So, you know, they're pressing on with their lives. Mm-hmm. On April 22nd, a neighbor hears gunshots at 10 a.m. But according to the Dark Matters YouTube video that I watched that has that is going to do this way more justice than I ever could. Um, that wasn't abnormal. No, I wouldn't think it'd be. Um, again, the phone lines go dead around 10 a.m. And they know that because they, they think that Bieta had been on the phone with someone, like a neighbor, and it just went dead. And so they the did body, this during the day? Yeah, like in the morning. Um, the bodies remained undiscovered for two days. So I'm going to go into the political environment because I think that's really important to talk about in this case. I'm just going to say the balls to kill seven people, six people during the day is insane. 
And again, I'm going to say, I feel like that's even more insane for one person. Yeah. So Governor Lynn Frazier at the time was, you know, obviously the governor and Attorney General William Langer was running for governor. There was a lot of heat on the Governor Lynn Frazier to figure out who killed this family because everyone was, you know, uh, terrified. They murdered women and children, which it doesn't even like even now, almost in 2020, there's still a lot of like, don't kill, don't murder women and children. So if you think about that now, think about it in the 1920s. That is like a huge deal. Yeah, even like, I feel like it's always been like, don't kill children. Like they tend to be the, viewed as innocent. So don't kill children, they're innocent. Women were viewed more as children at that point. So yeah, definitely like it would run like a wildfire through any society, any yeah. community. Especially if you think of like, if something like that happened in Turtle Lake, everybody would be like, what? What happened to Turtle Lake? Turtle Lake is so little. And it, mm-hmm. it was so little back then as well. I mean, I'm sure... In North Dakota, there were, like I said, tons of cities that were small. So this could, at the time, been considered probably a larger city, right? Yeah. And population was probably a lot lower than it is. I mean, obviously, than it is today. Um, but it was, I mean, a, definitely a big deal. And it drew in a crowd. I mean, it drew in 2,500 visitors to the funeral. Oh, it I believe a town it. of 400. Like, everybody wanted to go see these bodies because it was, like, a big deal. All the German papers were writing about it. So that's how you know how connected mm-hmm. um, uh, the Germans were still back to Germany. So that's how you know that there was a large population if all the German papers were covering it because they were German oh, yeah. immigrants. Um, so people were, ta- were terrified, and uh, they didn't feel like the governor at the time was doing very much. And I think that probably has to do with the fact that they're immigrants. Um, just because, you know, look through history, they were probably dragging their feet. Yeah. Or maybe the governor didn't want to touch that because he's like, I'm up for reelection. I really don't want to be involved in this, you know, seven person murder, which also kind of suspect, right? It's during the election season and right before the election, this whole family is murdered. Yeah. And you also have to think for the town, the community, was it a local murder? Are you around that person? Like, how do you know that person, mm-hmm. the murder could be like, you could meet them at the pub or like at the store. You don't know. Yeah. And it's really scary. You just don't know. And then who knows, you know, rumor mills and everything like that. So get this. So the attorney general was like, hold up, hold up, hold up. I got to watch, watch me solve this murder because he's like, I'm going to hire my own people. I'm going to hire my own investigators and I'm going to figure <laughs> this shit out. Right. So um, he hired Chris Martinson, which was the chief of police. George McDowell, the agent of the North Pacific Railway, which had their own police officers, apparently. I don't know if that's still a thing right now. I don't think they have their own police, but at the time it would make sense because train robberies were kind of common. And it's kind of federal because it goes through every state. Yeah. Or especially back then, most states. FBI is still really new. There's not a strong federal agency. So yeah, makes sense. And he also hired Eugene Hesner. A private operative, like for field detection agency. So I'm thinking like a private detective. Yeah. That's what, what that is. All right. So now we're going to go into the suspect. Here comes Henry Layer. So I'll probably refer to him as Layer throughout this mm-hmm. podcast. Uh, he owned a farm nearby about a mile away. Layer was also German who immigrated from Russia with a large family of six children. Uh, Layer was among the 2,500 visitors of the 
at the funeral and managed to look suspect because he kept opening the caskets that were closed, mind you, and look at the faces inside. That's suspicious. That's just weird. Yeah, that's suspicious. But normally, isn't it like if you murder someone and it's personal, you don't want to see the face? Yeah, I, I'm not sure. But, you know, in the Dark Matter YouTube video that I watched, it did say that it was actually custom um, for the Germans at that time to have open caskets regardless of what happened. That's that. Yeah, that makes sense. We have pictures of our relatives back in Germany and there's there's a picture from the baby funeral so baby fell in a pot of coffee mm. that's how the baby died or at least what my uh great uncle found out but yeah no they definitely yeah a lot of the pictures were from funerals and they were open casket which is creepy because funerals were in your house then because funeral homes weren't a thing yeah it, it's creepy and there are so many caskets in this they're their funeral is actually outside. So there are pictures, if you look it up, of this family out, like all these little like little caskets and it's just super sad. Um, little caskets are the worst. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't. I can't even. But um, he also raised suspicions. This is my favorite part. I mean, that was creepy enough, but almost understandable. Like, I'm sure he wasn't the only person, right? But he was already a neighbor. He was in town. People mm. knew him. So he probably wasn't the only one like, hey, let me take a little peek under the hood, right? It's culturally appropriate. Yes. But uh, when he discovered, he was discovered prowling around the wolf barn by a sheriff. So this sheriff thought, um, if I if I stake this out, I'm pretty sure the killer's going to return to the scene of the crime. Yes, I love it. It's some mind hunter shit. Let's do yeah, it. So he he's kind of like sneaking around the property and the sheriff kind of busts him and he said layer seemed eager to help well he didn't say that the article said that but layer seemed eager to help he suggested to check the hay in the barn and ended up pulling out some a handful of spent shotgun shells but the reason why he wanted to look in the barn was because he's like yo let's get some eggs from these chickens like obviously this family's not going to use them so let's get some eggs i'm like i got six kids to feed yeah, I need like, some fucking I need eggs. Some eggs and they are not using it. And that is why I'm here. So like kind of cruel, but at the time, like you got babies to feed. They aren't using the eggs. It's it's a little bit of inserting himself into the investigation, a little bit being practical. Like if he didn't say, hey, like if he just came up and said, Hey, I'm just I make I'm gonna do you care if I take the eggs? Cop probably be like, Okay, cool. But he's like, Hey, you should check the hay for like evidence. That I'm like, <laughs> you you look a real suspect right now. And so he was arrested. And after a long interrogation, he confessed to the murders and was sentenced to life in prison at hard labor. He only made it five years before he died. Right. So he had told the police he had gone to the wolf farm to confront his neighbor about a dog that had bitten one of Lair's cows six months prior. That seems like a delayed reaction. Yes. So this was the account now the police went hard at him right they did all sorts of tactics um some like punching tactics it. yeah some kicking tactics told some... him that a mom was going to come after him so he better just confess and stay here he was safer to stay in jail so he just said what he needed to say some uh would you like a really 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 long drink of water tactics yes um they put the railroad cop in like regular clothes and it made him seem like he was an inmate in his cell so they can rehearse a 
interrogation or not interrogation, a confession, but they didn't get it. They didn't get it until after they started going hard at him, right? That does, see, the problem is at that point, it's been proven that in like interrogations work, but torture doesn't work because you're just going to say whatever you need to say to make it stop. Right, right. And so there was some of that torturing going on. Layer said it was Wolf who produced the shotgun, a double barrel. There was a scuffle and both barrels went off. The first killings were accidental, Layer said, and after that he was in a fog. According to Layer's confession, Bieta uh, and the hired boy died from the first accidental shot, which, you know, there was a pool of blood in the kitchen. Jacob then ran and Layer shot him, but which is also kind of suspect because there was one lar- there was one long range shot fired at Jacob. So that could be possible with him running away. Um, Daughters Maria and Edna heard the shots and fled into the barn. Layer said he followed them in and shot them. He then went into the house and shot Bertha, Lydia, and Martha. The youngest, he said, he bludgeoned with a hatchet. Now, mind you, they had shown, they had pretty much told him what had happened and shown him pictures. Yeah. Right. So they just, this is an episode of confession tapes, but 1920s edition. Yes, absolutely. Um, he said he'd covered, he said baby Emma was spared because he didn't find her. He covered the bodies in the barn with hay, pushed the bodies in the house through a trap door in the cellar. So he knows his house pretty well, especially if he's had this time in broad daylight. Yeah. So he doesn't, it doesn't seem like he thought this through. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, then he went home to his own farm and his children. Right. So soon after the family was murdered, I'm going to just put this in here. The farm and all of its equipment and possessions were auctioned off. Hmm. Now, in Dark Matters, they talked about they, that seems very suspicious because one, they sold it off quickly. And, you know, my friend Abby brought up when we were talking about this this morning. Doesn't that eight month old still have rights to the farm? Yeah. But they auctioned it off. Unless they're going to save all the money. Right. It doesn't sound like that's what happened, but I don't know. I don't have those facts. Um, And when Lair was in prison, he retracted his confession. He said he had been bullied into it and warned that he would be turned over to a murderous mob if he didn't cooperate. Until his death, he claimed he was innocent. See, I kind of believe that, though, because it seems like the tactics used would have been really violent. They have one suspect and they don't explore anything else. Yeah, because think about it at the time. So you have this attorney general who had his own investigators. Yeah. um, And this other governor that's having his people investigate. And they just want to get this over quickly. They want to settle everybody down and somebody wants to look like the hero. So they have the suspect. Uh, according to that YouTube video, that there was other suspects, uh, and that at one point they thought there were maybe two suspects, like two killers. Yeah. Um, but good old Larry, with his, I want to take a look under this casket. I want to see their faces, and oh, I need some eggs, but here's some gun shell, gun, um, shotgun shells. He, j- I feel like he made the perfect fall guy. You know what I mean? And he'd already had some beef with Jacob. Yeah. You know, there were some other rumors that you know Lair has something going on with his daughter which is weird because she's like 13 years old. So that could have only been rumors, but it's a suspect, right? So I think he made the perfect fall guy. So we're going to go into the confessions and then the inconsistencies. So in the the confession, Lair Lair stated he wants to confront Jacob over the scandalous cow business that happened six months ago Mm -hmm. and arise from the north. He gets there around 1130 a.m., 
he came on foot. Jacob and Henry, which is Lair, had an altercation inside the house. Jacob pulls out the shotgun. They start to struggle. Gun accidentally fires two shots, killing Bieta and the chore boy, Jacob. His name is also Jacob. So Jacob, many Jacobs. So many Jacobs. That's why I was like, I don't want to call him the chore boy, but mm-hmm. you know, Jacob, daddy Jacob, flees. Lair reloads the shotgun, follows Jacob outside, shoots twice again. Edna and Maria flee to the barn. Lair guns them down, kills the other girls in the kitchen, and pushes their bodies into the cellar. Again, they only, they only believe one person was shot in the kitchen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he said he drags uh, Jacob's body to the barn, which even though it's like a mile away, you would have to see, I would think like, if even if you glanced over, Seems like they would check on each other, right? I mean, they're all pretty much immigrants, and it just seems weird that he would be, like, dragging a body. But he leaves the property and the baby alone. He didn't kill her because he didn't go into her room. <clears throat> now, the evidence. No one saw Lair on or near Wolf's property. Timing is off because the shots heard and the phone lines were cut at 10 a.m. It's unlikely that Jacob would have even allowed Lair inside his house, especially if he, there was any sorts of rumor about him and his children or him and his wife or whatever the rumor is. And then this, you know, scandalous cow business of, you know, Wolf's dog biting the cow, which turns out later that Layer was able to sell for a good price, like a really good price. So it wasn't even that big of a deal. Yeah. Right. So again, he says he reloads the gun as in Layer, the suspect, but how would he know where the ammunition was kept? Yeah. Right. Like he said, oh yeah, I know this ammunition, right? Well, I guess if it's your neighbor's house and you've been over there a lot and he's like, oh, grab, like you're going to go do something, but still it's just like, then you would know where the baby's room was. Yeah. And it didn't seem like they were on good terms, but I really don't know why he came over, you know, like kind of weird, but I'll admit that. So Edna and Maria were shot while they were hiding and the remaining girls were in the cellar and not the kitchen. Eight shots were fired. I feel like that's a lot. Even if you're used to gunshots by pumps, I feel like eight shots is a lot of gunshots for nobody to do anything. And I'm assuming they weren't back to back. I'm thinking if they were in the cellar, it would have been dampened enough. Yeah. But any of them upset outside or on the first floor, you would probably hear it, especially a shotgun. Yeah. And especially let's talk about the baby. It says, no, eight shots fired. The baby was likely awake and crying. Maybe some babies sleep through some crazy stuff. Um, except my children at night when I need to sleep. Mm-hmm. So you know, who knows? Baby, that's a toss up. But I'm gonna say that baby was probably crying. Yeah. Um, Lair later said he never left his farm. He falsely confessed under the impression that his life was in danger. Um, obviously there was political motives for the investigators because they got paid a pretty penny if they found the suspect. I mean, they were privately hired by that attorney general. So there was all this pressure to catch a killer quickly and to get paid for doing it. Um, also Lair wanted an appeal and a trial and he was denied. Uh, that seems not correct. Right. And seems very suspicious i i think i have a theory but i'm gonna wait till you're you're well we're about we're at the assessment section i just wanted to say that there's a lot of like it feels like it's still like an unsolved mystery Mm -hmm. because layers still denied and then a lot of the 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 people in town dark matters talks about how they didn't really know what the investigation was 
all they knew were rumors. And if you know anything about investigations, typically they don't like release. This is a suspect. Yeah. So there was no angry mob. And a lot of people felt like he was wrongly incarcerated. Um, so it's still kind of considered an unsolved mystery, even though they had this suspect and they, you know, pinned it on this guy. And as I said, I felt like he made like the perfect fall guy just because he was acting, acting suspect and he had beef, you know, literally and figuratively <laughs> with, with the wolf family. Um, my biggest like thing I found interesting was that it was auctioned off and sold very quickly. Yeah. So, and he was, you know, there could have been some jealousy. He was good at what he did. The farmer, he was well off at the time. They were successful. Um, and they had like that state of their art equipment. They were cold blooded murders, like very gruesome. I would, I would think that this man would have a hard time if he's a father of six I know there's some serial killers out there, but Larry, Layer just doesn't seem like he's thinking through shit, right? Yeah. Layer does not seem to me like he's thinking through enough to kill and brutally murder this entire family, not get any blood on him. I don't know. And then go to see his family and put his kids to bed later on that night. Especially because it sounds like they shot them and then went back and hatcheted them to make sure they were dead. Like the hatchet seems like, no, you're going to be dead. Yeah. You're going to be dead, dead. And who does that to children? Yeah. Do you want to hear my theory? Yes. So this seems, and I know you haven't covered the other suspects, but it seems like you said they're well off. It seems like a prominent person. Like it was orchestrated. Like someone said, I want this stuff. So it'd be interesting to see who got a lot of the land, a lot of the materials, a lot of the equipment. But they, the children probably knew, like they probably knew who killed them. It was, it was obviously pre-planned if you're going to cut the phone lines, but it seems like a cover-up because mm-hmm. like if you're, if you're in this for the reward, I'm sure Lair acting weird could have been like him at the funeral and they're like, oh, watch it, watch the barn. And it just, he stumbled upon it and like some prominent officials in the town could have pushed it or a prominent person in the town could have pushed it. Or he also, I think, claimed that they were planning. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So they could have been planted by, because the sheriff was joined by two other people, like mm-hmm. two other law enforcement agencies, and they all went to that barn together. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't cover any more suspects because they didn't talk about any more suspects. The okay. only suspect they really talked about was Layer, And then that reminds me, um, I want to read to you his version of like the interrogation. It's like his statements. Okay. Um, let me see. Okay. This was Henry's interrogation. After supper on May 12th, I was taken into custody and questioned and shown pictures of the murder scene. They kept up questioning until about 2.30 a.m., at which time the sheriff, uh, Martinson, or Martinison, I can't remember how to say it, and a gray-haired, heavy-set man I believed to be a railroad detective took turns at questioning me. They repeatedly told me that there was a oh, okay, there was a mob outside, and that on, and that the only chance of saving my life from being strung up on a telephone pole was to make a confession and have them get me out of Washburn. They cursed me took my chair away from me and made me stand until I was dizzy and faint. All this time, I maintained that I was innocent and that I knew nothing of the murders. Finally, the man that I thought was the railroad detective beat beat me along the side of my head and took me by the hair and pulled, after which he sat down across the table from me and related to me 
just how the murder happened and told me what I would have to say. Then he got up and shook a billy club in my face. That's how you know it's old school, billy mm -hmm. club. And told me that if I would not say what he wanted, he would, you know, beat his brains out. I then gave up and started to cry and said that I would do and say what they wanted. That sounds probably like, think about it. You have what it said. He got picked up after dinner. Mm -hmm. He was there till two, like they were questioning him until 2 a.m. So let's say after dinner six, so mm -hmm. they pick you up at seven, that's seven hours, probably not getting drink, nothing like no comfort. They took away the chair, so they're going to make you stand. Um, yeah, it's just, it seems like classic nonviolent interrogation methods. And what is it? Most people who commit murders end up confessing like within the first hour or so, like hour or two, I believe if they actually did it like it's more of a quick thing because their guilt's waiting on them but this seems yeah this seems really suspicious that they're just pushing it and they're like police do not have to be truthful with you but the fact that they're just trying to scare him into it seems really really bizarre yeah and uh i guess layer has statements from both medical that there was some bruising and the barber statement and the barber statement says henry layer was badly beat up in both sides of his face and the top of his head were swollen. It looked as if someone had beat him. The skin was not broken, but bruised and swollen. Yeah, that definitely seems like they, they knew what they were doing to not break skin. So it would not seem like they were like abusing someone, but it definitely seems suspicious. Yeah. Um. So that's pretty much all I have. I did want to say that uh, Emma lived until she does. This was the eight month old. She lived until she was 84 years old and died in 2003. She ended up having three kids. Dang, that's going to be so bizarre. Like you can't remember any of your family. And did she end up going with family or? So I think the people that had found her, mm -hmm. uh, she went with them and then she went somewhere else. Okay. Like they had passed away. So that sucks. And then she went somewhere with someone else. Now there is a book that was written about it. Um, it's called the murdered family mystery of the wolf family. Um, it can be bought on Amazon. It is like fictional history and mm -hmm. it's, you know, based off of this case, I, I guess he goes into some of the theories, but I honestly don't think that it was layer for my, you know, yeah, I don't think my it research is. here. Um, it just sounds, he didn't think through things. It didn't sound like, and that, to cut the phone lines to that's just a lot of work mm -hmm. cutting that, the phone line it's premeditative yeah it is i mean it was it was thought through shotguns um just how do you kill like contain murdering an entire family and not a small family a large oh, family big, it was a large family yeah because it's crazy yeah because i mean pretty much controlling more than one person controlling more than one person is just difficult so if it's one to seven or let's say six, because there's a baby. Um, it was seven because of the 13-year-old boy. Oh, okay. So the, one to seven, like that's controlling a lot of people and controlling children is difficult enough. Yeah, like, I can't control mine. Like there's there's no way one person could have done that. Like, and these are fast. Kids are fast. Mm -hmm. They are fast. And during the day, so they're all awake too. That, like that's the part that blows my mind. Everybody was awake. And it was right there during the morning, during the day. Mm -hmm. And I do think that they possibly might have known someone um, because one, if they were let into the house and if the first children didn't run. Yeah. You know, like there's, it seems like a majority of them were in that cellar mm -hmm. where they listened to whoever told them to go down there. 
Yeah. And then just to kill him with the hatchet. That's that's like hired, hired help. Like mm-hmm. they went outside for that. People were getting paid. And you know what? The attorney general made governor. Interesting. Be interesting to look at that money trail plus where all the mm-hmm. all the money from the farm went. I was like, and I, you know, I can see, not to say that this is what happened, but I can see like maybe people care less if it's an immigrant family. Oh yeah, definitely. Especially during that time. Yeah. And in a community like that too, like it could have, like they could have, like their ne- like some of their neighbors could have cared, but like other people could have been jealous because they've been doing well and they had the nice equipment, you know, there's many options. Yeah. And, and if anybody wants to like hear more about this murder, um, the YouTube channel, Dark Matters, it's uh, their seventh episode. It's called The Wolf Family Mystery. It's primarily where I got most of my research. And then I also used the lineup.com, which is uh, on the Wolf Family, where I got a lot of my information. I plan on reading the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but since I did a lot of last minute research, <laughs> I did not read the book beforehand. But I plan on reading it because I, I do find it fascinating. I do think it's a conspiracy. I don't think it was um, layer, and I think it's super tragic. And who knew Turtle Lake, Little Turtle Lake? If you would have told me that this summer that it had like a gruesome murder, oh, and that farm is still going. So some of these goes <gasps> on that land for all those murders. That's so fucking haunted. I don't think that the original house is still there, but yeah. Would, would you live in that house? I mean, I don't know if I'd live on that land. I, I mean, maybe I'd live on the land. I don't know. I mean, the house isn't still there, but. I would farm the land, but fuck being there after dark. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of jumpy. So when I was doing, putting this together, I was like, this is why I could never be a true crime podcast person because I was like researching. I'm like, oh, like feeling like somebody's like around waiting to get me. Um, so I'm terrible at that. <laughs> I really enjoyed coming onto your podcast and I really appreciate you letting me do my first true crime, especially in North Dakota and Little Turtle Lake. Oh yeah, you're welcome. Do you want to tell everyone where to find your podcast, your wonderful, wonderful podcast? Yes, you can listen to us on Spotify, iTunes, Sprecher, Podbean, Google Play, you name it iTunes. We are on there. Um, give us a listen. Rodent Nation is a storytelling podcast, which women share their stories, their struggles. And uh, we talk about owning your story. It's a very uplifting podcast. It's all about the sisterhood. And if you know, you're, you're struggling, having a hard time, I suggest that you give it a listen because I do think that when one person shares their story, it helps somebody else own their story. So that's the Bird at Nation podcast. Yeah. And next week we'll be back with someone else. And hopefully Natasha will be back to tell us more stories about North Dakota. Yes. And now that I know that there is so much more research to do, <laughs> I will be better at, I felt like I was writing a paper very last minute. So um, I've been researching and listening all week, but I like to, I like to bring a little bit of North Dakota to your podcast. I appreciate it. So we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.
Hey, it's Natasha Turney from the Burdette Nation podcast, where I interview everyday women who own their stories. I've talked to military veterans, entrepreneurs, stay-at-home moms, fitness gurus, single ladies, and many more. My goal is to talk to as many different women as I can on issues that are important to their story and hopefully yours too. Listen on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, and Stitcher. Follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Brodette Nation. For more information, visit my website, www.brodettenation.com. Hello, tipsters. This is Melissa Morgan. I'm the host of Just the Tipsters True Crime Podcast because people are awful and they kill each other. Tipsters, this is Melissa Morgan, the host of Just the Tipsters True Crime Podcast. Have you ever wanted to kill anyone? Hey tipsters, my name is Melissa Morgan and I'm the host of Just the Tipsters True Crime Podcast, America's favorite true crime podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcast. I don't know where the you can find us. How about that? Just can find us and listen and we're and you'll really like it. Is that okay? Just the Tipsters with Melissa Morgan is actually available on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe, rate, review. You'll be glad you did. of domesticity we're available on all podcatchers remember to rate review subscribe to help spread the word or just force other people to listen to it our facebook and twitter are at domestic podcasts and our instagram is at the cult of domesticity we also have podcast merch at threadless uh as well if you want to support us financially or show some appreciation we have a paypal tip jar and a patreon which has some pretty great perks any topic suggestions feel free to email us at domesticpodcasts at gmail.com remember to stay domestic and cult free <laughs>